Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Support for Nerdette comes from Veridesk. The Mayo Clinic says that sitting all day is bad for our health, but standing all day can be just as bad. So Veridesk is a height-adjustable standing desk that lets users sit and stand throughout the workday. I have one of these, and I love it. It adjusts from sitting to standing in three seconds. Lickety-split. <laughs> Lickety-split. And it gives you the flexibility of standing or sitting whenever you want. Comes fully assembled, so all you have to do is take it out of the box, set it on your desk, and you have a standing desk. There's four models to choose from, so if you have dual monitors, there's one wide enough for that. Or if you have just a single monitor and a small desk, they have one for that, too. To find out more, you can visit varidesk.com. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And from WBEZ in Chicago, this is Nerdette. Coming up, we nerd out with two of our favorite stage performers. That's the wildly talented Tavi Gevinson, who's making her Broadway debut this fall. And we got to talk to one of my favorite playwrights, who resorted to name-calling of the best sort. You are a nerd. All that and more, this week on Nerdette. Big news this week in the nerd world. MacArthur named its latest crop of fellows. These are the people who are more commonly called the Genius Grant recipients. So they get a bunch of money to do geniusy things for five years. 50 grand a year, $250,000 in total. And they come from all different fields, all different walks of life. This is always an impressive list, this year being no exception, but there's one person on it who we are particularly excited about. Turns out this is actually only the second comic book artist in the history of the MacArthur Foundation Fellowships to receive one of these genius grants, but it is Alison Bechdel, who we've actually talked about quite a bit on the show before. The Bechdel test, if you remember is something that stemmed from a comic she wrote, not some giant academic paper. A comic she wrote called Dykes to Watch Out For set up the premise for the Bechdel test, which is, does a film or TV show have at least two named female characters? Do they talk to each other? And is it about something other than a man? So congratulations to Alison Bechdel. We would love to nerd out with her on this show soon, so we will see if we can track her down and talk to her (laughs) about what it's like to have become the shorthand for gender equality on screen. And that's the thing. I mean, she's really become the shorthand for gender equality on screen, but she still seems so down to earth. The MacArthur Foundation actually did a little video segment about her on their website for this fellowship. And listen to this. When I got the call from the MacArthur Foundation, I I thought I was going to (laughs) faint. It was crazy. It was like someone had actually almost hit me. It was like a physical blow. Um, And I feel like I've been in a state of shock. I think getting this kind of recognition from the MacArthur Foundation, I can feel it already like changing my life. I'm having to adjust to the fact that this has happened. Therefore, uh, I must be doing something worthwhile. And to have that kind of confidence put into my work is a huge gift. And I, I am going to work very, very hard to live up to those expectations. 
This WBEZ podcast is supported by the 50th Chicago International Film Festival and the Illinois Office of Tourism, dedicated to introducing audiences to new filmmakers, new stories, and new perspectives. Featuring more than 200 films from over 50 countries, October 9th through the 23rd at AMC River East 21. Tickets and film schedule at chicagofilmfestival.com. The Chicago International Film Festival, because everybody loves movies. Illinois, mile after magnificent mile. Twitter superstar Rob Delaney stopped by, so you'll hear our conversation with him as we begin our season of brand new episodes next week. But this week we wanted to revisit our conversation with Tavi Gevinson. Right now she is starring on Broadway in This Is Our Youth, opposite Michael Sarah. Yes, Michael Sarah from Arrested Development. One of my favorites ever. I was able to see the two of them in this production at Steppenwolf here in Chicago before it moved to Broadway. And she is fantastic in this play. We had this conversation with Tavi a few months back when she was still in high school, had already taken over the world with her rookie mag, but was not yet on Broadway. Now she's added Broadway to the triple quadruple threat that she is. You'll also hear Nerdette contributor Lauren Chuljan in this conversation. Who has nerded out about Tavi for a long time. She even showed me that she has emails from 2010 when she emailed Tavi about something she wrote on her blog. And you'll hear a little bit more about how that played out in this interview with me, Tavi, and Lauren. So what are you obsessed with right now? I just did the thing where you take music from your friend's computer. So... I My sister came home and I was like, gimme. So I guess lately I've been obsessed with and listening to Watch the Throne a lot, Jay-Z and Kanye, and then the live Talking Heads Stop Making Sense recording. You know how sometimes you go through phases where sometimes you're like, I can't make anything right now, but I can watch stuff and be obsessed with stuff and totally. nerd out at stuff. So sometimes I'm in those phases and then sometimes I'm just really productive. So lately I've just been more doing stuff. It's good to have time to just watch movies and listen to music and get inspired. But at the moment, I'm like on a treadmill. Do you do the thing where it's, I'm obsessed with this Beyonce song, I'm going to listen to it 45 times? Mm. Or do you do, like, I do really love this, I'm going to listen to it start to finish, and then I'm leaving it for a little while? Every phase, I'll make myself a playlist. And sometimes there's a full album. Like, my current one has the complete new Beyonce album in it. I mean, whose doesn't? Right. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when an album first comes out, I try to listen the whole way through, and then... I kind of have a moment with each song. And then there are always a couple you never really get to. But like with the Beyonce one, like every song I've had a moment with. I know Trisha brought up fangirling, but for those who don't know, can you explain the philosophy behind what that means to you? Sure. There's that Neil Gaiman speech, Make Good Art, where he's like, this thing happened to you. Make good art. Your cat got hit by a truck. Make good art. Husband runs off with a politician. Make good art. Leg crushed and then eaten by a mutated boa constrictor. Make good art. IRS on your trail. Make good art. Cat exploded. Make good art. Someone on the internet thinks what you're doing is stupid or evil or it's all been done before. Make good art. That's great, but that also puts a lot of pressure on your life unless you have had these amazing experiences and unless you have been able to make art out of them it's like they're not really valid and I think because for me I've been blogging since I was 11 
creating has just been part of my constant every day in some form or another. So when I feel like I'm not able to do something with something that happened in my life, it just feels like, oh, I was sad for nothing. <laughs> like you forget to like learn from your experiences and they don't have to be a means to an end, the end being an art and EGOT. So with no offense to Neil Gaiman, I gave a talk that was just about how sometimes you don't have to make good art. You can fangirl and nerd out. That can be just as satisfying like times when I've been really down in the dumps. Sometimes it's just more satisfying to write down someone else's lyrics than to try and write your own. And it doesn't mean that you're unoriginal or uncreative. It just is another way to feel connected to people, feel less alone in a hard time. And I also think that there's what they call the anxiety of influence, which for people who have grown up with the internet is especially a thing because all of your references are right there. They're all traceable. It's just hard to be original, whatever. So my thing with fangirling and how you can translate it to making art once you get to that is that instead of trying to be like, I can't make anything original, I need to go into the woods and erase all of my influences and just make something completely pure, that's impossible. You can't deny the stuff that shaped you. So I think you can make your fangirling a part of your work. Like, I wrote this 4,000-word piece about Taylor Swift for The Believer, but it didn't feel like music journalism. It felt like a personal essay for me, and that was about using her music to get to this place instead of trying to think of my emotions purely on their own. I think about the aesthetic and sensibility of Rookie being it's okay to love something with your whole heart and then in two years be like, what? I was obsessed with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garden State came out when I was 16. Right. And I went with my very best friend in the world, who's still my best friend, Uh and my mom, and we had to find the one artiest of the theaters in my Midwestern town to find it because it wasn't playing anywhere else. And it changed my life. What are you listening to? The Shins. You know them? No. You gotta hear this one song. It'll change your life, I swear. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to. Uh, I gotta fill out your forms. Conundrum. Think you could uh, maybe listen yeah, while I think you could? I can handle it. Yeah, okay. And the sentence, Garden State changed my life, gets an eye roll in every room, right? Right, Like People are always going to give you grief about that. But at that moment, that movie totally Totally. meant something. I mean, reading Catcher in the Rye when you're 16 is different than when you do it when you're 30, right? Right. And Garden State was like that for me. And so I love Rookie because it's like, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a big part of growing up. But I think as I'm growing up, realizing it's also just part of being a person that you can have these moments with a friend or a piece of culture and even if later it doesn't resonate in the same way there is still a lot of truth to what you felt at the time there's just so much joy in the shared experience yeah when you're like oh this i died for this and then you're like Mm. oh you feel the same way i mean that's when i Mm. no joke tavi i emailed you and you emailed me back which is so weird (laughs) it's so funny so glad you said that because a lot of times people will be like i emailed you but you never wrote back and i just feel really bad no i mean i expected you to not write back because Uh, at this point you had kind of exploded and and 
when I found Rookie, it was like 2010 when Jane Magazine was a big thing. Right. I subscribed to it and I had every issue. And I think that's what I wrote to you about. I was like, I also feel the void of an actual magazine I can tap into. Uh So for me, your blog was like, oh my gosh, someone else feels the same way. Like there isn't a good medium level magazine that I feel like is approachable, Mm -hmm. still is into fashion, but is not totally ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's a total point of bonding. There's an interview with Roger Ebert. I think it's Terry Gross. And she's like, why do people get so offended when you don't like a movie that they liked? It's not personal. And he's like, but it is. It is personal. This is part of who we are. It's like there's two things you can do instead of just make good art, which can be really intimidating. Yeah. And either fangirl and just be really happy because you're like, okay, I can't be Joni Mitchell, but I can relate to Joni Mitchell. Or you can make something about Joni Mitchell's art and that can be just as satisfying. And that's also why... People write off music critics or anyone who chooses writing about culture as a job because they think, oh, they're just mad because they're not an actor. Their band sucked. Or this is just like the angry writer getting revenge because deep down they wish that they were that famous person. Right. But actually, a lot of people realize early on that they are more content as observers and... Then they choose that as a career, and they're totally happy with it, and they don't wish they were the ones on stage. Music is a part of everything. TV is important. When people say, I don't watch TV, I just sort of roll my eyes at them, because saying out of hand that the medium that connects more Americans than any other has no value is not a starting point for a conversation. That's silly. And it doesn't make you like an intellectual. Right. It means that you're simplifying it. (laughs) I just can't stand hearing someone say, when you kind of have a critique of a band or whatever and someone's like why can't we just enjoy it i think to most artists they want you to have criticism and have different reactions if they didn't want to see a bunch of different reactions they would make it just for themselves i don't put stuff out into the world just for myself i don't like create just for myself because then i would do that i want feedback and funny comments and criticism and i think most people are flattered when you're picking apart their work, even if you maybe have something negative to say. How do you strike that balance? Because this always reminds me of the scene in Portlandia where Carrie and Fred are looking at pictures. I should take those down. Really? Mm-hmm. Everyone on the internet, they're not having as great a time as you think they are. I guess people are just cropping out all the sadness. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I always wonder how you balance what you're going to share about your life. I do think about that, and I have a private Instagram and it's not like a Hannah Montana thing where it's like <laughs> good because that's not a good or Sasha Fierce come on I <laughs> want to keep the Beyonce theme. <laughs> on the note of Sasha Fierce in a recent interview when the album came out someone was like who is Yonce <laughs> and she was like she was like by now Yonce Sasha Fierce it's all me and I was just listening to an interview the podcast long form yeah with mm-hmm. uh, George Saunders mm-hmm And he's talking about how, as he's become more comfortable with himself, the gap between the values that are just sort of embedded in his writing, the gap between those values and then his values as a person has gotten smaller. And so I think for me, the gap is really small. And I just, it's not like I have a a private Instagram or I keep a diary because I'm like, I have, you know, 
a secret life or whatever. It's just that some things I just want to keep to myself. And I think there's still a value, even in this age of publish everything immediately, right. there's still a value to have an experience, document it for yourself, give yourself a little time to breathe and reflect on it, and yeah. then produce a piece of work about it. Exactly. The thing about using your fangirling to make something new when you're creating with Rookie, with the books, you know, the whole thing is really collaged and homemade. And I understand people's frustration when they see what I'm doing and they're like, oh, she hasn't paid her dues. But I also think the goal is to get to a place where we can all create what we want to. And I don't think I should have had to work at a shitty internship at a magazine that I don't like before I could have a voice. That being said, I can afford to do my own thing because I live with my parents and I'm a teenager, but I think the dream ultimately is for there to not have to be a ladder. And I'm just glad that with Rookie, we can judge people's work based on purely their work. Each month of the site and then in the book is a different theme, and each theme has a really differently defined aesthetic. And a big part of making them all feel different and making the book feel like it's a new book every 30 pages was utilizing our collaging and fangirling and like organizing it all and making different moods for each of them. And part of that is also that I just wanted the book to look more like zines and diaries and the yeah. kinds of like what we make for ourselves when we feel like our story isn't being told in the mainstream. With reading your early blog stuff, it was like you saw a void and there needed to be a space for this certain kind of teenager or like this certain kind of person in general. Yeah. And I feel like you guys have really filled it with the work that you do. But do you feel like there's been other things spawning off of Rookie or people being inspired by Rookie that have created a bigger space for that? Or do you think there's still more room for growth? When the idea started to come about, I was in eighth grade, so the end of middle school. I had just found out about Riot Girl, and I was really obsessed with, you know, sassy and freaks and geeks and my so-called life and these things that were too pure for this world. Why does she hang out with those guys? I don't know. Why don't you go over there and ask her? They're going to ruin her life. If you don't care about high school, then you won't get into a good college and no future, and you'll wind up dead or in jail. Really? You asleep during Scared Straight? The world wasn't ready to accommodate them, and so they ended far too soon. And I also was obsessed with this John Waters interview where he's like, there used to be beatniks and then hippies and then punk and then grunge, and now there's nothing. You have to go create it. And I was like, yeah. And then as I've grown as a person and realized I love pop music and I love TV, a counterculture comes out of people being dissatisfied with mainstream culture. What if instead we can make mainstream culture more inclusive? The lines are just so much more blurred because of the internet. I mean, I consider rookie mainstream. I think what's hard for older mainstream media to understand sometimes is that gatekeepers have kind of gone away and now yeah. we have curators. That's a great way of putting it. And, and I think that no one knows how to handle that yet. Yeah. Because Rookie can curate an idea or a sensibility or an aesthetic or a tone, and it can include all forms of media. Before, you couldn't do. You were either a record label or you were a magazine or you were one thing at a time, mm -hmm. right? And now because of the internet, you can say, this is my universe. Mm -hmm. And if you like it, come along and I might join yours too. Totally. Even looking at someone like Lord.
it makes me happy that she is so popular because something has just happened in these past few years where I don't want there to be a counterculture. I want mainstream culture to just be great and varied and for people to not even really care about it since because of the internet you can really pick and choose what you look at and care about and listen to. And I think that has kind of created a space for people to be more accommodating. I just read this Beyonce thing where she said, I have no desire for someone else's throne. And right now, I'm wearing a shirt that says coming for your job. And it's like (laughs) the rookie staff uniform of 2014. You know, I want to help all of our staffers take other people's jobs, but I don't actually want to be an editor at a different magazine or something. I like being able to run my own, be in control and have created my own outlet and be my own boss. Muffins in the eye, we've cracked the code We count our dollars on the train to the party It is amazing to me that in this time and space, Lord did astronomically well. Totally. But maybe five years ago, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I think five years ago, she would be really popular on Tumblr. But every song's like gold teeth, gray goose, dripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel And that's one reason why so much of the writing about her is frustrating to me because people do try to act like she's at a Grimes or like Sky Ferreira level. And and obviously I don't say this to like pit them against each other. I'm just trying to find reference points. But in fact, you know, she just won two Grammys and she was nominated for four. And she was, I'm pretty sure I might be wrong on this, but I believe Royals was at number one for longer than any other song in 2013. So to write about her as if she's niche when she's actually huge, it's just underestimating her power and then also the capacity of lots of different kinds of people to relate to it. I think a lot of music journalists, men, <laughs> see, mm-hmm. see her as like, oh, she's weird. She's like the weird girl in the back of the class. So only girls who are smart and weird relate to her. And it's like, actually... Everyone at my school loves her, and they play lacrosse and are, you know, not alternative. When I interviewed her, I really tried to bring that out and to say, actually, she's a pop star. And we'll never be royals. It's a one in our blood. That kind of love's just aimed for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be your ruler. The latest rookie yearbook edited by Tavi Gevinson is out now, so check that out. And go see This Is Our Youth if you can. It was great at Steppenwolf in Chicago, so I'm sure it will be fantastic on Broadway. I've only ever seen one other show at Steppenwolf's because I happened to be lucky enough to see August Osage County, the play written by Tracy Letts that starred an incredible cast here in Chicago and then became the movie that Tracy Letts also wrote, August Osage County, that starred Julia Roberts and Benedict Cumberbatch. Meryl Streep. You had me at Benedict Cumberbatch. I didn't even need to say Meryl Streep. That's how good this movie is, that I didn't even have to pull the Streep trump card, but I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just a Streep card. It's, yeah, it's just a, it's just a Streep card. <laughs> we talked to Tracy Letts, who wrote both the play August Osage County and the screenplay for the film, and asked him to give you all some homework. Joni Mitchell, starting with Court and Spark. So Court and Spark, I may get the order wrong in here, Hegira... Uh, Hissing of Summer Lawns, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. You should get all of those albums from that period in Joni Mitchell's history, and you should read the lyrics. Love came to my door with a sleeping roll. 
and a madman's soul. He thought for sure I'd seen him dancing up a river in the dark, looking for a woman to court and spark. While you listen to those songs, and really learn those songs. That's, really learn the songs. I like that. Yeah. Not casual listening on the bus. You got to be studying these songs. That's right. You need you need the lyrics in front of you. You need to listen to them under headphones, and you need to make a study of those albums. That's a pretty remarkable period for an artist's output. Those albums she was putting out. What is so remarkable about them for you? What strikes uh, you? The marriage of what she was doing that was musically interesting and stretching her own sort of folky roots. The marriage of that with some really remarkable lyrics. I'm not a big fan of lyrics. I don't even pay attention to lyrics for the most part. But uh, her lyrics uh, are quite remarkable and uh, sometimes kind of jaw-dropping. Joni Mitchell, that's that's your homework. That's good homework. And if I, <laughs> if I may give you a nerd confession, I once went to a Tony Award party. It was in 2008, and we were supposed to come dressed as our favorite nominee. I found out on the way there, went to CVS, got a white T-shirt, a black marker, wrote, I am Tracy Letts on a T-shirt. <laughs> and that was my costume. Then you are a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, thank you so much. Thanks very much. Now it's time to hear from you. Nerd Confessions. This nerd confession is also about a love of the stage. One year I was doing an MFA in theater directing. And I needed to take summer classes so I could get the financial aid so I could pay my rent and buy food. So I took this intensive German class, and I am not a language learning nerd. That thing in your brain that lets people pick up languages, mine turned off when I was, I don't know, four. But I took this German class. And one day I was in the library about four weeks into German class, and I was in the theater section, and they've got Brecht in German. And I just found a copy of Mutter Courage und ihre Kinder, and I flipped it open and started skimming, and I found two sentences in German that I could understand. They were very simple sentences. It was something like, his name is Swiss cheese, I am his mother. But still, I understood those words in the language in which Brecht had put them to paper. So in honor of my German teachers that summer, Frau Ranga und Frau Wozniak, I would like to dedicate from Three Penny Opera the song of the insufficiency of human struggling, because that's what trying to learn German felt like. A man lives off his head, his head won't see him through. Inspect your own what lives off that. Call us at 312-600-5638 to tell us about when you were at your nerdiest. Everything from epic fails to humble brags are welcome. Greta, I have a little mini nerd confession for you. Oh, yay. Did you notice that in the last three episodes of Nerdette, I've snuck in music from the American musical theater canon as transitions? (laughs) You know, I was wondering how intentional that was. I should have Oh, it's intentional. It's a streak that I would like to continue, so... We talked about plants, so I used a little shop of horrors. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a musical. <laughs> I know. This is why our nerdy Venn diagrams have so much overlap, but there's still so much space on the edges where only one of us knows something way too well. And for me, it's the American Musical Theater canon, my friends. Wow. I really, yeah. I had no idea, Trisha. It's a beautiful thing. I'm into it. <laughs> Call us and leave your nerd confession at 312-600-5638. Suggest a great lady nerd of history for us to profile and keep those Simpsons-related voicemails coming. 
to berate me for having never watched The Simpsons, or I would prefer berating with a side of recommending. Tell me where to start. Tell us about your favorite episodes. We're still going to have a Simpsons-related episode coming up. Or just call and say hi. We love voicemails. Find us online at nerdatpodcast.com. That's where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Or talk with us on Twitter at nerdatpodcast. You can also like us on Facebook. This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson. With help from Joe Dassault, Patrick Burns, and Iris Lynn. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Our home stations are WBEZ and WCQS. Thanks to Lauren Chuljan for joining us in that conversation with Tavi Gevinson and to Tavi Gevinson and Tracy Letts. Thank you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Throw us some stars if you're feeling generous. Like Editrix did on iTunes. Thanks, Editrix. God, I keep thinking every single one of these is just my favorite little username ever. Editrix is a really good one. (laughs) And there's another way you can help Nerdette if you're feeling generous. If you're a nerd with a business or who works for one that wants to get your message heard by Nerdette listeners, you can underwrite this show. Email us nerdettepodcast at gmail.com to learn more about sponsorship opportunities. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.